those who are visiting, my name's Andrew. It's great to welcome you and host you this morning. And um, as many of you would probably know, we get the Christmas story out of the Bible. That's where it comes from. And one thing I've learned to appreciate over um, many years is that the Bible is actually one story, but when broken up, there's 66 different books from about 40 different authors written over about 1,500 years of history, but it all actually tells the one story, um, and it's God's story, and it's a pretty cool story to, to, to um, get into. For example, there's a, there's a guy called Isaiah. He was a prophet um, in Israel about 700 years before Jesus was even born. And he writes about the type of person that Jesus is going to be. Um, and then Jesus actually fulfilled all of that. And we're going to sit in a little passage this morning that deals with that very issue. Um, in Matthew's Gospel, there are four Gospels, four uh, people who wrote about the life of Jesus. And in Matthew's Gospel, he actually refers to some of the things that Isaiah said 700 years before Jesus was even born. And I've got that on the screen. I just want us to have a look at this. This is what Isaiah was saying Jesus would be like. And it says here, Look well at my hand-picked servant. I love him so much. This is God giving Isaiah these words. Take such delight in him. I've placed my spirit on him, and he'll decree justice to the nations. But he won't yell. He won't raise his voice. There'll be no commotion in the streets. He won't walk over anyone's feelings, won't push you into a corner. And before you know it, justice will triumph. The mere sound of his name will signal hope, even among far-off believers. Now, Christmas time is a time when we often reduce Jesus to an infant in a manger, just like we saw in the, in the storybook. A little baby, a little helpless baby, born into a barn, put into a feeding trough, and there's all that story that surrounds that that we're probably quite familiar with. Now, that's the beginning of the story, but it's not the central part of the story. Even the wise men who came to visit Jesus in that story understood that Jesus the baby is not the point of all of this. So there's a passage in Matthew where he talks about this and it says, says when they, that's the, that's the wise men, saw the star, they were filled with joy. And they entered the house and saw the child with his mother. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened up their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. The fact that these guys travelled a long way to present themselves to a baby it was so much more than the baby that they were coming to see and coming to worship. They were worshipping the fact that this was part of God's story and God was up to something. See, Jesus... Not Jesus the baby, because the baby didn't do a whole lot, and we don't have a whole, we don't have much record of him doing much as a baby. But Jesus is actually the key for us to understand what God is truly like. And maybe he's not what you would expect. 
Maybe God is not like the God you've been taught about or the God you've heard about or the God you think exists. And when we look at Jesus, he's a key for that. There's a, there's a um, philosopher and writer in the uh, Christian world, A.W. Tozer, and, and he made this comment, and I reckon it's one of the most profound comments, that what you, the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. Just want to let that sit for a moment. Your picture of God will actually shape everything about your life. If you think there is no God, that will shape the way you live life. If you think there is a God, but he's, he's like this, that's going to shape the way you live your life. If you think there is a God, but he's distant and not really caring, that will shape the way you live your life. But if you think God is like the person of Jesus and is present, that shapes the way you live your life. What you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So I want to give us a bit of context here, some some Christian context. The Christian position is Jesus is God. God in the flesh. Jesus is a physical representation of the nature and character of God. When we look at a couple of scriptures in Colossians uh, chapter 1, it says this, we look at this son and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and he holds it all together right up to this moment. All the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, that's people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. But now, by actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together whole and holy in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. Christmas is about we give gifts. And we give gifts because the greatest gift that ever has been given is the gift of Jesus into the world. So that we can see what God is like, we can come to know God and we can be in relationship with God and we can live the very lives that God has always intended for us as humanity. In John's Gospel, one of the other writers who wrote about Jesus, he starts his Gospel off with these words. Talking about Jesus, he says, He was in the world, and the world was there through him, and yet the world didn't even notice. He wasn't born into a palace, as we just saw. He was born into very humble beginnings. And he came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God's selves. And Nick just read this out before. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighbourhood. That's the picture of Jesus. And we saw the glory with our own eyes, this one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. That is a pretty cool picture, that 
Even Jesus himself said to the people around him, if you want to know what God's truly like, look at me. Let me show you what God is like. And, and if you know any of the stories that, that float around in that space, the, the religious leaders of the day painted God to be a fairly distant, vengeful, judgmental, very hard to please type of headmaster. That was the image that the religious leaders painted and Jesus going, no, no, that's not it at all. Let me display for you what it's like. And we see Jesus doing so many things that were just unexpected. And the religious leaders had a real problem with that because they thought they were representing God. So assuming somebody lives a long life and then passes away in elderly age, rarely do we reflect at the end of a life like that what they were like as a baby. We just don't tend to do that. Generally, we're more interested in the person they were, the life they lived, particularly as an adult. And what was their character like? What was their nature? So what kind of person was Jesus? Who did he grow up to be? So in our culture, there's a wide range of opinions about Jesus. I reckon even across this room, there's going to be a real spread of opinions about Jesus. Some of us may say he's just a fictional character, didn't even really exist. Nice storybook type stuff. Some might say he was a great teacher. Some might say he was an ancient prophet. Some would even say he was a revolutionary leader starting a new movement. And there's many opinions out there. As mentioned earlier, there are many people in the world today who would believe that Jesus is actually the Son of God, God himself in human form. But even the people who believe that can easily try to twist and mould Jesus into the type of God that they are comfortable with. I want to show you a video clip. You might have seen this. It's from a movie about a race car driver. I just want you to listen to the way they describe Jesus. Let's, let's go to the clip. Thanks, guys. Shake and bake. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. <sighs> Dear tiny Jesus, your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist pawing. He was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. Ricky, finish the damn grace. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party, too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus, like, with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead 
vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band. And I'm in the front row and I'm hammered drunk. Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant, so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money that I have accrued over this past season. Also, due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace, I just want to say that Powerade is delicious mm. and it, it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. 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 Let's dig in. That was a hell of a grace, man. You nailed that. So slightly irreverent, but there's something about popular culture and there's something about the entertainment industry and even some of the world religions that exist that want to paint Jesus into a particular corner. Say, he's only like this. But he's not a baby anymore. He's not a baby. He's not a domineering and judgmental, distant God, but it's actually, when we come back to the passage from Matthew referencing Isaiah, it's actually about the story of a servant. And if we come back to that passage that we started with, I want us just to look at that as, as, as I discuss a few things as we wrap up. See, the servant picture, God as servant not God as domineering overlord, but God as servant is the image we get of Jesus through Scripture. And the servant, this passage says, will bring blessing and justice to the world. Not by power and position or privilege, but by being present. By healing and loving the people around him. And that's what we see as we read the Gospels. Jesus brought about God's intended restoration into the world, wherever it was needed, by leading people into a loving relationship with a God that is truly the God that created and that we worship. This is actually a story of the one who will signal hope to all people. And as this passage says, all people, even among far-off believers... That when we try to do life in our own steam and our own way and make our own decisions and we find generally it doesn't work, that Jesus can bring hope into that situation. See, what we see as true in the world around us is that those who want peace and justice, those who want to live with joy and hope, are usually shouted down by those who want power and more money, and more land, and more status. Those who are great and mighty in our world usually have their voices heard in the media and in the public domain. Those who shout the loudest get the most attention. But that's not the Jesus way. We also see in our world that people who want to get ahead tend to push others out of the way or use people to step on as they're climbing whatever ladder they think they need to climb. If, 
If you see a weakness in someone, you exploit it. You trample on them to get to where you want to go. But that's not the Jesus way. So here is Jesus who conducts himself in the opposite manner to what everyone expected he would do and the opposite manner to the dominant culture around him, even the religious culture around him. He was different. He's a shining light where there's darkness. He's a hopeful sign to a different kind of life. When we look at the message of Jesus through Scripture, it clearly just reiterates over and over, Jesus was all about telling people the kingdom of God is here. What that means is there is a new kind of way to live with God and with one another that is different to what you've been doing. And it's a better way. It's the best way. A life where God himself is with us and sustains us and never leaves us. He's no longer this distant image removed from us, but he is right alongside. See, any one of us, I reckon, can look as we come to the end of 2019. Any one of us could look at our current circumstances, whether now or sometime in the past, where you felt hopeless. But the story we see unfolding in Jesus is a story of hope. It's a story where fresh hope can be found in him as a person. And it's a hope that flows into us as we relate to him as Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. Not God separated from us, but God with us. That's the Jesus story. That's actually the story that you and I are invited into. And it's an invitation. We don't have to earn anything. We don't have to prove anything. Here is a gift and an invitation where God himself says, let me show you the best way. And let me do everything that's needed for you to step into that. And all you have to do is accept that gift and walk with me. So originating from a baby born in a stable over 2,000 years ago, the story of Jesus began then, but it still echoes right through our world today. It is simply the greatest story, and it can be your story. It can be our story. That's actually why we celebrate Christmas the way we do. We celebrate Christmas because God has gifted us with himself. With himself through the person of Jesus and then accepting that invitation through the indwelling Holy Spirit, God says, let me show you how you can do life with me. There is actually no greater gift than the gift of love and life and hope that we find in Jesus. He's more than just a baby in a stable. Can I pray for us? So Father God, I thank you that You have seen where we're at and you have done everything that was needed to just bring us into a life that can flourish, a life where there's hope, a life where there's meaning, a life of purpose, a life that actually resonates with us to say, this is actually why I was created. I thank you that you've done that, but not only have you done that, you desire to do life with us and you've made that possible through the gift of your son 
through the gift of your spirit. And so I just pray this morning for us as a community that we would just get a fresh revelation of who you are and what you've done. And that that invitation you extend to us is an invitation that is not conditional. It's an invitation that is available to every single one of us at any moment. And all we need to do is accept that invitation and step into the life you offer. I pray that will be our reality as we dwell on what Christmas means for us today in 2019. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.